Hey everyone, this is your host Josh Baker with the Intelligent Conversations podcast where we believe everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. Our goal is to encourage these type of conversations for our audience to listen to. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to speak with D.P. Knutin. He is a 30-year veteran of the communication wars and author of the nonfiction brand. His brand's primary focus is to help small businesses and people brand themselves. He also hosts the nonfiction brand podcast. And if you want to go check it out, he'll drop that at the end, guys. So DP, thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to listen to you and hear what you have to say today. But I say we just dive right into this. I'm going to start with a question for you. How did you come about with the idea to start the nonfiction brand? Well, uh, actually, it's a story I, tell, I start out the book with because it's it's so really fundamental to where I am as a marketer and communicator. I was uh, I started a career as an advertising copywriter, and I was working at an ad agency in Atlanta, Georgia, on brands like Coca Cola, Georgia Pacific, and okay. others. And I was uh, one day I got a creative brief. Now, if you don't work in an ad agency, a creative brief is a basically telling you what you're supposed to be doing on any given job. So if it's a newspaper ad, you need to know things like the dimensions of that ad, because that determines yeah. how much space you have for images or copy or things like that. And the only part I really paid attention to as a writer was a section called copy points. And copy points are the things like limited time only, one per customer, buy one, get one, mm-hmm. fr- uh, you know, Friday only, whatever, all exactly. the facts about what you're supposed to be communicating. And then I would come up with a clever way or an interesting way or an eye-catching way to engage people to deliver that information. So I get this creative brief one day. I open it up. I look at the, the copy points section, and all it says is write some stuff. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Am I writing a radio spot? Am I doing outdoor boards? Am I writing a website? Am I doing a 280-character tweet, for crying out loud? Yeah. I need some more detail. So I walk into the art director or the the actually the uh, the account director's office who created that lovely – a piece of creative brief. And I said to him, dude, what is this? I'm not a fiction writer. And what I meant by that was I can't write, I, 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 I can write terrible fiction no one wants to read, so don't <laughs> make no mistake about that. But I'm not a fiction writer when it comes to ads for products and services. I have to know what the truth is about those products and services. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not afraid to shine things up as much as I possibly can, but I need to know at least a bare-bone fact, you know, foundation Mm -hmm. for whatever's going on so that I can do this thing. And so when I said to him, I'm not a a fiction writer, I remembered saying that and then thought about it for the next 25 years. And Hmm. what it – I started thinking, well – if I'm not a fiction writer, I'm what am I? I'm a nonfiction writer. Okay, that makes sense. And then I was thinking about it, all that in terms of brands, and it came down to I'm a nonfiction brander. I I I don't want to work with fictional brands. Now, 
Do such things exist? Yeah, we're surrounded by them every day. The things that you know are fake or they're fronting it or they're faking it till they make it. And these things aren't based on any truth. They aren't based on any hard-won experience or expertise or product set features and benefits. They're based on whatever some fiction writer said they are. And I'm sorry, but I don't play that game. And I kind of came up with this manifesto called Nonfiction Brand. And in the case of my book, the full title of the book is Nonfiction Brand, Discover, Craft, and Communicate the Completely True, Completely You Brand You Already Are. And that's the key thing because, you know, I'm looking at you, Josh, and I'm, I'm saying I'm probably twice plus older than you. Now, the audience, if you're listening to this audio, we both have facial hair. I will say mine's a little bit more complete. And (laughs) it's also a whole lot more salt than pepper, if you know what I mean. And this is no slam about Josh or his relative youth uh, in relationship to my relative age. It has to do with the fact that you're kind of at the stage where you're still developing or discovering who you are, what you do, and how you do it. The truth of who you as an individual are. I have known exactly who I am for, let's see, if if you figure from age 30 on, for 30 years. Hmm. I've known exactly what I will take, what I won't take, what I will stand up for, what I won't stand up for, the truth about who I am. And that has served me well, because here's the thing. If I'm trying to sell myself, and sell myself like a Swiss army knife, which is all things to all people, I'm not going to be all that good. A Swiss army knife is a crappy knife, a crappy corkscrew, and an unsanitary toothpick, for crying out loud. It doesn't do anything with excellence. Now, when you know who you are, when you demonstrate who you are, what you do, and how you do it, people then know exactly why they would want to engage with you to utilize your services, to bring you on as a partner or an employee or associate with you. And they're not only satisfied, but essentially, if they've selected you and you are exactly what they thought they were selecting, they are completely happy with engaging with you. And here's another thing too, and this is a benefit of my age as well, not everybody in the world has to like you. I know it's shocking. (laughs) You know, seriously, I mean, you look at uh, social media these days and everybody is trying to make everybody think that they've got this fabulous life and that you should be like them. And, And the answer is no, that's not true. I'll be honest with you. I live outside the capital of the state of Wisconsin. And when I drive... Uh, and I work out of my home, even though I'm working with a firm down in Florida, I can drive past cornfields on the way to the state capitol. And I love that. Why? Because I'm not a city guy. And I've lived in Los Angeles. I've lived in Boston. I've lived in Chicago. I've lived in Denver. I tried living that city life my entire life and never been truly comfortable. Once I got to know myself and said, you know what? It's okay if I'm not going to pretend to be a, a city dweller. It doesn't mean I'm a, some type of rural hick or anything. It just means that, you know what? There, maybe when I was young, I wanted to become a, a young hotshot ad guy in New York. Maybe. 
But the reality was, even then I look back and go, no, I never wanted that. So why would I try to achieve that? Mm -hmm. A lot of people try to achieve things they think they want instead of things that are based on who they truly are. And if I can give you one word of advice and your listeners one word of advice, listen to your gut. You know who you are. You know what's important to you. And you mm -hmm. know what people like about you because they keep telling you exactly who you are based on their experience with you. Trust that stuff. You know, it that that's kind of a long answer to your question, but <laughs> that's kind of the way I roll, man. It, it's all good. Yeah, I love the train of thought that you had. That was great. And especially I want to touch on how you said that there's a lot of people that just, you know, fake it till you make it. I'm like, it might be a good strategy at first, but eventually you have to come up to a point where it's like someone's going to ask you a question or someone's going to ask you something that exposes you. Right. And it's like you've got to at some point actually be legit. You actually have to be real. You have to be authentic. You have to have all those qualities that you discussed there. And what came to mind was this one guy, he, he talked about how he pretty much, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but his name's Jason Capital. And oh, I don't know. Yeah. So he, he's notorious. He's well known for just when he was younger, he pretend that he lived this really rich life, even though he was like dirt pro poor, he would like pay to like, he would rent like a plane for a day or something like that. Or he would rent all these things just to appear all rich and all that. Then eventually he gained this following and now he is that right. And I'm like, I see how it works, but I'm like, is that really the way you wanted to go about it though? Well, and I would say, which came first him being that or him wanting to become that I'm going to say he already was that because everything you just described, I would never do. Why? Because that's not me. This guy had a very clear idea of where he wanted to go. And this is the key thing about branding is there is no such thing as a good, bad, or a good or a bad brand. There's only on-brand or off-brand. Let me give you an example everyone will relate to. Follow me as we put on our character outfit here. Okay. You're in the character of a 32-year-old mom of toddlers laundry detergent you need to pick up some new diapers for the youngest you need to maybe find some shoes that you can afford for the one who keeps growing out of shoes and all that stuff and you decide you need to go to a walmart all day long well the truth is a lot of people will say even if i have those needs i don't want to feel like i'm going to Walmart. Mm -hmm. I would rather go to Target. Why? Because the brand Target has all the same stuff, but it's merchandise different. It's lighter. It's airier. It's more designed. It It's the type of place where if you're that 32-year-old mom of kids, you can take that you know, grocery cart on the way to, to look at stuff and you can go past the clothing area and you can see a, a crop jacket, the same that you've seen one of your favorite TV stars wearing on the cover of mm -hmm. People magazine. And you go, oh, that's very cute. How much is that? Ooh, I can afford that. And you put it in your cart and it gives you that dopamine hit of, wow, I don't have a lot of money. I don't, I have a lot of needs, mm -hmm. but I can still get myself that little luxury. 
And because I'm in Target, I don't feel like, I don't know, the floors are sticky or whatever. Because Walmart, and again, Walmart, I'm not saying is a bad brand. I'm saying they're very true to their core philosophy, which is low prices every day. Exactly. They will do everything to make sure their prices are lower than anybody else. Well, if you're doing that, you're cutting out a lot of the stuff that makes that mom of 32 feel a little bit more comfortable. And again, I'm not I'm saying the brand is absolutely true to what they are, which is why if Target wants to say uh, if Target wants to stay cool with that mom of 32, they're going to have to bring in kind of pop-up shops every once in a while with named designers. And they're going to have to do cooler stuff every once in a while to keep that cachet of being a uh, an approachable, an approachably premium brand, I guess. I so like, like almost it, it caters to that. So like Walmart almost caters to people that are like, hey, I just need the necessities. They're not thinking about like anything like that. Whereas Target's yeah. more like for people that have time to say, oh, I could use one of those. Like, that'd be cool. Well, it, it's also for, for people's taste level are different. Like there are people who, if you said, oh, my favorite burger is uh, Burger King, there are foodies who would laugh at you and say, are you kidding? That's not <laughs> the best burger out there. But to you, it may be absolutely perfect for not only your taste, but also your wallet. Mm -hmm. Because again, there's a, there's a difference for, okay, let me give you another example. I love to use this example because it really talks about brands in terms of perceived value. Guess Ooh. who gets to choose what's valuable? The person who buys it. So if I show you a solid gold Rolex that costs $25,000 and next to it is an, a Timex Iron Man that has all the ways to tell you how fast you're going and all that stuff, mm -hmm. all the data points. Yeah. Which is more valuable? Well, everybody just based on economics is going to say the $25,000 Rolex. Mm -hmm. Well, let me add another thing. Look at those watches and you're an active triathlete who trains every single day and wants to know if they're getting better, faster, and stronger. I'm choosing the Which timings. one's more valuable? <laughs> Yeah, are you going to take a $25,000 Rolex no. as you go running every single day because it I I guess you could probably tell how much time it took you to run your circuit uh on the Rolex, but the Timex can tell you down can do split times. It mm -hmm. can, you know, it it does all this other stuff. So it the value proposition for the specific audience depends on who the audience actually is. And there are plenty of people who are Rolex all day long. And there are plenty of people who are Timex Ironman all day long. And neither one is right or wrong, but one of them's on brand for that audience and another one is on brand for an entirely different audience. The question is, and the, the thing I wrote about, especially in terms of small businesses and personal branded businesses, because there's no difference if you ask me, mm -hmm. is, do you know what your brand is? And you uh, kind of talked about uh, somebody who was maybe faking it till he made it. Yeah. I would argue that he, no, he wasn't, he was absolutely true to himself because when you talk about a brand, a brand is not a box. 
A brand is a point upon which you can pivot on your life. For example, I don't know anything about you, Josh, but undoubtedly you've discovered that you have certain aptitudes in your life that you are more capable at doing. For example, if I said, Josh, can you sing? You uh, would say. Not so good. <laughs> okay. Josh, do you like science? Uh, I'm, I'll read up on stuff, but. Okay. Not passionately into science. Are you good with um, numbers, with mathematics? I would say I'm, I would say I'm above average in that. I can crank out some numbers. Okay. Do you enjoy analyzing things, you know, looking at a mass of data and teasing out the truths within that data? Not really a fan of just, you know, sitting there looking at data. I, I prefer to act on the data. If like have someone else do it, tell me. Okay. Data, okay. Right? See what you've done right there in, in what, four questions? We've already made it clear. You, you shouldn't go into music. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't go into science. You shouldn't go into data science. But if you were associated with data scientists and you are on the executional end or the executive end of things, so perhaps uh, rather than be a data scientist, you might be a project manager or a, uh, a, a level of executive within a business that mm -hmm. is about understanding what they're doing, but I don't actually do that. I, I execute what they create in a way that earns us money as a company or whatever. You've already taken out of the 360 degrees of possibility for humankind in a job market situation, and you've deleted right now with those four questions, a third to uh, maybe half of it. And that's a good thing. Because here's the thing. If I forced you to be a data scientist, you would suck at it. You yeah. wouldn't enjoy it. The quality of your work would suffer and be subpar. And anyone who worked with you would rapidly not want to work with you because you couldn't do that which you were faking trying to do. So what you need to do is find out those things about you that are critically important to the core of who you are. The, and again, I, I talk about it being a pivot point because... If you are all the way back looking at the first principle ideas of what you could possibly be about, you do things like, well, for myself, I've, I've, I've done this obviously for myself, mm -hmm. come up with what I like to call my key three, my key three concepts, principles, or phrases that define exactly who I am, what I do, and how I do it. Those three words are collaborative. I work with people. I don't just yeah. do it by myself. Creative. I'm always on the creative side of the fence. You will never get a spreadsheet from me. You'll <laughs> never get analysis from me. You will never get click rates from me. I could care less about any of that stuff mm -hmm. because I'm the creative guy. You know, I come up with the words, the story, the, the, the images that then communicate the stuff that you guys have discovered over on the research side, right? So yeah. I'm not afraid to do some research, but I'm not a scientist level researcher. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a doctor. I could go down the list of what I'm not like crazy, but what I am is collaborative, creative, and the last word is the, the most kind of deep word that I discovered, not by myself, but by asking the people who work with me and appreciate what I do. That word is provocative, meaning... 
you know, DP, one of the things I like about you is you always make me think. And one of the things I hate mm. about you is you always make me think, <laughs> I, you know, and, but, but that's my value, which is if you want a yes man to say, oh, great idea, we'll do what you said, don't engage with me because I'm going to listen deeply to what your goals are. I'm going to hear what you say you want, and then I'm going to come back to you with what I know you need. There's a difference between what you say you want and what I know you need. And that is my value. And that is why people come to me for everything from websites to uh, outdoor boards, TV, you name it. Anything that communicates, they come to me because they know they aren't going to just get the communication. They're going to get the story that engages Questions. people and leads to not only engagement, but actually moves people. I like to say it moves people and product. It moves people emotionally to buy the product and take it home with them. Is that making sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, when you were talking about like being provocative, I'm like, man, that is something I think, I mean, obviously you want to stay true to your brand, right? Your personal brand. But if people would ask, you know, some questions, with each other. I think that really helps. I mean, you did that right there you, with me. You're like, let's ask. And it took five, four or five questions to get there. I'm like, questions will solve like 90% of like your issues, your problems. You, it's not, and that's the thing. It's not going to be a clear cut. Yes. Or no, it's not going to be, Hey, yes, this is what you're going to do. Or no, like, don't do that. That's stupid idea. It's, it's more like, okay, that's a good thought, but like, how would we implement that? Or how would we do like all these other things. There's so many questions that you could ask and those questions help lead you to, so then you can actually have, I think, better products, better results and better, like you said, engagement leads, whatever it is that you're trying to get. And yeah, I think that's absolutely, yeah, it's a great point that you brought up. I, I was just sitting there. I don't know if you you've listened to Gary Vaynerchuk, but when you were just saying, I'm not this, I'm not this. I'm like, I remember him doing something exactly like that. He's like, I know I'm not this. I know I'm not this, but he's like, I do know I am this though. And exactly. And I'm glad you brought Gary V up because I've followed this guy forever. I mean, you can go all the way back to, I think maybe 2007 when oh, he wow. put up his first uh, wine library TV video on YouTube. You can still look it up. Mm -hmm. It's still there, and it looks like it was shot in the basement, crappy camera, terrible presentation. The Gary V of back then is not the Gary V now, but it doesn't matter because Gary V demonstrated exactly who he was, what he does, and how he does it back then by being on the cutting edge of video via YouTube, doing a <laughs> show about wine from his family's wine library store someplace in New Jersey, I think. Yeah. And he would teach people about wine, which every, you know, he can, he, he rightly so thinks that most Americans are kind of mystified by wine. What's the difference between one variety and another? What, what, how do you know you're not getting ripped off? Because the same bottle shape can be $5 or $500. Yeah. How can I tell which is what? Well, guess what? He's the guy. Oh, so Gary exactly. V, if, if you were to look at him as a brand, 
and distill him down to key three concepts, I think one of them's got to be teacher. Oh, because yeah. Because he teaches every moment of the day. Now, his style is very Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, dress, <laughs> uh, he's, he's toned it down a little bit, but uh, still dra- dresses like a skater boy, drops F-bombs like they're, you know, <laughs> I don't know, birdseed, just flinging yeah. it around. And he probably says, hey, if you can't handle that, that's okay. Go elsewhere. But this is who I am. And the funny thing is, and consequently, I think he's a fantastic example of a personal brand. Unfortunately, he's surrounded by a lot of 25-year-old or younger men, young men, who want to be just like him. And they think they have to dress oh, like man. him, talk like him, do everything like him. And it's, it, it, he'll be the first one to admit, no, do not be me. Don't be in the 1500th poor version of me. Be the only version of you. And that requires exactly what I'm talking about, getting down to knowing who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Because here's the thing. Those three words that I describe myself as, uh, collaborative, creative, and provocative, I can pivot. I can do anything. I can do a video one day and be a video expert. I can write uh, outdoor boards and web copy and everything else. I can pivot to anything. But here's the thing. I'm never going to pivot all the way over to data science or engineering Mm -hmm. or financial. You know, I've written financial copy with a very limited understanding of the depth of the financial systems involved. But I didn't need it because they gave me the copy and said, this was written by an expert. Can you write it so that normal people can read it and <laughs> understand it? And I go, yes, because part of what I do is that collaboration part. Yeah. I work with you where you are to take what you have and get it creatively out to your audience, your specific audience, in a provocative, exciting, interesting way. And again, I just demonstrated those are my key three ideas right there. Those concepts are when I'm doing the job right. Those three concepts are in every single thing I do. Every tweet I put out, every post I put up on Facebook or LinkedIn or you name it, all of those things at least reflect two of those things. Because one, they're always going to be provocative. They're going to make you think in one way or another. And whether it's collaborative or creative, eh, most of the time I focus on the creative side of things. But there are times where I will ask people, and of course, in my podcast, the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, I'm collaborating with people every single episode because here's the thing. What we're doing right now is we're collaborating. Yeah. I'm coming to you. You're sharing me and my points of view with your audience. You're sharing of you, your uh, questions and perceptions and impressions with me, collaborating back and forth. I'm learning from you. You're learning from me. And hopefully everybody's getting better because I'm going to say it again. I am true to my key three. I'm collaborative, creative, and provocative. So my question for you and your audience is, have you done the work yourself to find those three things that are true to you? Doesn't matter if you're, you have a temp job or if you have a, a brief career in one area, Nothing stops me from jumping into entirely different career areas 
yeah, I was as actually long gonna, as I'm true to those three concepts. Yeah, I was I was gonna I was gonna touch on that. I I love where you were heading with that. I was like, especially I mean, we could even bring up Gary V again. He he did wine in 2007 and now he's blasting NFTs. And I'm like, those are two completely different like spaces that we're talking about here. But he's remained yep. true to his three core of who he is. And he's always stressing that if you watch his videos, he's like, I just keep saying the same things and I'll rephrase it. I'm, you know, growing as a person still like understanding on a deeper level, but I still know the core of who I am and what I do. And if people find what, this is what I like to call it. I, your core values. If you find the core values of who you are as a person, you can literally do whatever you want. You can, like you said, pivot to different areas of your yeah. life. You want to go, if you want to go start a startup company, what the heck go for it. Right. If, or if you want to take a step back and say, yep. you know what, I I've had it, but just bring those. If you know what you're good at, then you will succeed. That's just the end of it. You're going to live a happy life. And I think that is just ultimately what happens. Sorry. Were you going to say something? No, no. I, I was just going to say that, you know, looking and again, I've never talked to Gary Vaynerchuk. I've only watched him has mm-hmm. followed his stuff forever, been inspired by it. But if if I look, took a, a stab at another one of his three words, it would be fearless. The mm-hmm. dude is fearless. You mentioned NFTs. I won't go near NFTs. Oh, NFT either. to me stands for not flipping there. It, it literally, I own it, but you don't own anything. You yeah, know? it's a seriously digital you can asset. Say you own it, uh, yeah, but I... but there's not something there. It's like um, when uh, CDs went to digital music, and I, I I did a blog post way back when called "If you don't own it, it's not yours," and it was all about the fact that it. And this was back when uh, I, some of the music services were like, "Yes, you have this music until you stop paying, and then it's gone." It's like, you don't own it then. You're renting it for a period of time, but you don't own it. And true, you should though. be aware of that. NFTs. I am not uh, fearless like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I won't go near them. Uh, you know, cryptocurrency, I think that's going to be around a long time because it's not a product. It is a system. And mm-hmm. that system is going to be around forever. NFTs again, are a system built on blockchain and all that stuff. But the idea of I'm going to get a bored ape avatar. Yeah. Of, <laughs> of somebody smoking a cigar and, and use it as my avatar on LinkedIn. Are you flipping kidding me? No, not a, no. Not a and, good idea <laughs> to put it on LinkedIn either. <laughs> well, exactly. Because LinkedIn, I mean, that's talk about telling people exactly who you are. That's probably the most authentic, honest social media platform out there because very few people can pull off being fake, entirely fake on LinkedIn. You know, I'm sure there are people who pad resumes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it's still typically their photo within the last 20 years. So even if they don't quite look like that now, they're close. Yeah. You know, but my point is, Gary Vaynerchuk, that fearlessness allows him to say, NFTs, absolutely, I'm all over it. VaynerMedia, I'm going to go international with my partners in a, uh, frankly, a sector that is very difficult, you know, media and advertising and marketing, which is changing so rapidly now. You have to be fearless. 
to become an equity participant in any organization that's doing that stuff. So again, he's being exactly true to who he is. Your risk tolerance may vary. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people who become CPAs because they're good at math and they like things that make sense. And they're a little bit more risk averse and a little bit more careful about the way they do things. Great. Not everyone has to climb mountains or jump out of airplanes or go surfing with sharks. But you need to know what's right for you based on who you are, what you do, and how you do it. And that, my friend, is the essence of really creating a personal brand that means something and doesn't overpromise and underdeliver, but perfectly promises so that you can perfectly deliver exactly all that stuff. That's that you just phrased that perfectly. And I kind of want to lead into this, what I call the intelligent question of the day. And I'm going to drop it on you here. And it's funny because it's, I'm pretty sure you've just been stressing this point over and over. And I think we can hit it just one more time, but it is, what is the most important skill you think someone could have in regards to their personal branding? But I think we've already touched on that. It comes down to what you want, right? I'll add on to that and say the best thing you can do is question and listen deeply because again, what you think about yourself is not the same thing as what others think of you. I, I think in psychology, it's the difference between the me and the I, yeah. which, you know, it's, but, but the key thing there is because the people around you know deeply who you are, what you do and how you do it, but from a different perspective, they can provide you a lot of really valuable information about what it should be key to your brand. For example, Uh, A lot of people will say, well, you know, I'm analytical and I do this, that, and the other thing and blah, blah, blah. And then their friends say, oh, no, no, that's not why I come to you. I come to you because you calm me down so well when I'm concerned about something and you lead me methodically through a process to come up with a, a satisfactory answer. I could not get that answer without you. You are my helpful facilitator or, you know, something like that. And it's like, oh, I thought I was something else altogether. And go, no, no, no. The value you bring to me is the fact that when I'm scared, you you help me, calm me down and give me actionable ways to get out of the thing that's causing my fear or my stress. Oh, so... Does that mean you could be a teacher? Yes. Does it mean you could be a a psychologist? Yes. Does it mean you can be a doctor? Yes. Does it mean you can be an engineer? Yes. Because believe me, if you are that engineer who can speak engineering and human, (laughs) you will be incredibly valuable because, and I, I snidely say sometimes that the world's divided into two types of people, engineers and everybody else. (laughs) And what I mean by that is engineers, and I, I, if you're an engineer, forgive me, but engineers are the type of people, and I've heard m- many people who've been married to engineers say this, that if they're uh, going to get a new big screen TV for the me- media room in their house, 
they will have a spreadsheet listing all the models and all the capabilities and the sizes and the the nits and the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And they will do a complete analysis of everything within their price range to determine which one they should get. To those engineers who do that, I say, guess what? The vast majority of humankind does not do that. They buy it because they saw Kim Kardashian wearing it. They buy it because they saw it on an episode of their favorite TV show. They buy it because their sister-in-law, who they kind of hate but really secretly envy, that sister-in-law bought it. You know, there are so many reasons why people will bring a brand into their own lives. Don't ever think that you can completely come up with a numeric reason for that happening. But if you're an engineer, embrace that. Because yeah. that is your value to other people. If you're an engineer, and I actually talked to an engineer about this, a software engineer. And I, after talking to him for, I, I was on his podcast. After talking to him, I said, you know what? You're a software developer, engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not really what you do. You are a bridge between the people who need the software to be developed to do these specific things and the people who actually develop the software to do those specific (laughs) things. You can speak to them. You can speak to the developers. You can, you know, uh, you know, the language the developers are speaking. So you can call BS when they say, Oh, we can't do that. Say, yes, you can. All you need to do is a recursive loop and a blah, 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 blah. And they go, Oh, I can't BS you. Yeah. And that's your value to the people who don't speak developer. I I totally. Yeah. Which is very, very valuable. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. And it's funny you bring up the software engineer because that's actually what my father does. And he went back. Uh, so when he was first starting his career out, like way before I was born and stuff. And he was like, yeah, when I first started out, I realized they, you know, I'm working up the ranks, you know, the corporate ladder or whatever you want to call it. It's like, I got to a point where he's like, I wasn't doing any like engineering. I was doing, you know, managing people. So he's like, so he went back to school and he's like, I need to learn like just basic skills, like accounting, you know, payroll, all that type of thing. So I can manage people effectively. And he's like, that's honestly been one of my, he, he tells me this. He's like, this has been, that was one of my best decisions because now I'm in a position where I'm that bridge almost to say, Hey, the accounts are like, here's the number, like get us this result. And then the developers are like, we can't get that. Like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like the bridge right there. And he's like, I've become like, he's worked his way up to the, yeah. to the, the top of the food chain. And I'm like, man, that's, that's awesome. And I'm like, you almost have to have that dual combo. You have to have that combo of like one skill and another skill. And then you're yeah. just unstoppable. Or you have to be that type of person who can fulfill those roles because as we describe what your dad's doing, there are developers possibly listening to this in the audience going, oh, I never want to do anything but code. Well, if that's true, don't ever become upper management. If someone says you're really good, we'd love to you know, take oh, you yeah. off the keyboard and have you do other stuff. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? I'm happy where I am. Don't give me anything else. There's an old uh, story about an ad agency in it, uh, Minneapolis, a, oh, I can't remember his name. One of the best art directors of all time 
And they came to him and said, you know what? We want to make you executive creative director or higher level, you know, higher up the ladder. And he said, nope, don't want to do that. And they (laughs) said, what do you mean? It'll be more money, you know, blah, blah. Become an equity partner of the agency, you know. No, I'm an art director. I want to be an art director. And so even though he took on some of those roles, his title on his business card never changed from art director because to him, he was an art director. Even if he managed other art directors, multiple art directors, he did it from the point of view of I'm an art director, not a mid-level manager with some creative services manager title or something like that. You know, and I don't know if you're a Star Trek fan, but uh, I think it was Wrath of Khan, maybe, uh, one of the Star Trek films. And good old Captain Kirk and Spock were in a situation Spock was going to die, and he's convincing Captain Kirk, who had been offered an admiralty position, don't take it. Stay a starship captain, and the line is, you know, at any trekker will be able to quote it verbatim. Your first best destiny is to be the captain of a starship, meaning don't ever leave the bridge of the starship. Always be a captain, not an admiral who, back at the, you mm-hmm. know, the whatever. Don't, don't wish yourself to become something that may be greater on paper but actually lesser to you as a human being. If you're, an, uh, you know, I'm, I know that you've probably got friends like this who are like, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> they're really, really smart and they could do anything. And they go, no, you know what? I'm going to have a small little microbrew pub and I don't ever want to grow it to 15 chain stores or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I want to focus on this one thing and I'm going to be happy doing it. And perhaps in your head, you're saying you could do so much more. <laughs> but that person goes, no, you know what? I maybe could do so much more, but that's not my brand. Yep. That is wisdom right there. You I, know, or oh, yeah. or the the people who say, like, I have a brother who has no desire to go abroad to Europe, to the Far East, to Australia, hmm. to anywhere. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't you I I I would die to be able to travel all the time he goes you know i know what i like what i like is right here i don't see any need to go anyplace else who's right who's wrong neither one of us because what's right for you is 100 percent right for you do not project that onto anyone else or take what they're doing and project it on you for example you know, going back to fake it till you make it, which we talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. You see it all the time. Somebody oh, yeah. with a blog post or a website about seven easy ways to get a six-figure income in three weeks. And <laughs> there's a picture of them leaning up against a Lamborghini with yeah. fat stacks of some... cash on it. And, you know, some bikini-clad model, you know, in the background or whatever. <laughs> you see that. There's a perfect correlation between that image and a scam. Oh, and, yeah. You know, you're going to make him money. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you aren't going to learn squat. That there is no easy way to do this, but there is the right way for you if you know who you are, what you do, and how you do it. 
and you stick to that. Because uh, I tell the story in my book about a high school friend of mine from way, way back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. And uh, his dad was a high-powered lawyer. And I I knew him as the kind of scary, high-powered lawyer dad of a friend of mine, you know. Yeah, I, think I know what you're all, talking about. You know, who was kind of dour, you know, never a smiley guy. Seemed nice enough, but kind of... Mm. Like intimidating. Yeah. Well, he retired around 60 years old. He made his money and then spent the next 20, 30 years of his life playing clarinet in a traveling Dixieland band. Do you think maybe he was a musician his entire life, but he did something else so he could make bank that would enable him to do the thing he actually was? Maybe part of his discontent with his life was due to the fact that, you know, I really am a musician, but um, my parents said, become a doctor or a lawyer, and I didn't like the sight of blood, so I'm going to be a lawyer, I guess. Now, it enabled him to do all sorts of stuff and certainly enabled him in the latter part of his life to do what he wanted to do. But one of the things that I find so intriguing about your generation's uh, way of looking at the uh, life in the world is, why would I wait 30, oh, yeah. 40 years? Why shouldn't I do the stuff I want to do then now? Because I, I have the rest of my life to work. Yeah. So I'm inspired by the van lifers and the, the, the people who are you know living on a boat and going wherever they want to go or have that kind of um, gig economy job where they can work from anywhere. So they go to Bali for a month and then yeah. they go to uh, Brisbane, Australia for another month and... Uh, there's so many options available if that's who you are. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, again, people your age, are going, boy, that looks interesting, but I don't want to do it. I don't. That's not the way I roll. I want to be close to my family. I want to be able to go see my mom every weekend. I want to have family dinners on a regular basis. You know, all that stuff. You can't do that if you're doing van life, dude. Yeah. Van, van life looks really, really cool <laughs> until you have a bad day and you can't even get a landline to call your mom and say, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> and what you really want is to go over there and have some of her chicken soup and just kind of talk through stuff. Well, if that's you doing the van life, not a good combo. But again, at your age... You got to try that stuff because oh, you yeah. don't know yet. Uh, I, and again, and this is wisdom coming at you. A lot of people were really, really good at something in high school. And they went into what they were really, really good in when they were in college or post-graduation or whatever. And it doesn't matter that they were really, really good at it. They really, really didn't like it. Save the time. If you mm -hmm. don't like it, don't like it from the get-go. Because here's the thing. Anything you do is going to use those skills in one way or another. Like, I'm really, really good with numbers. I don't want to be a mathematician. I don't want to be a scientist. I don't want to be an engineer. Does Guess what? What job doesn't need someone who's good with numbers? It could be a restaurant. Any it could be player. a theater, a live performance theater. It could be a, a, a music studio. Because a lot of music production uses a lot of numbers, you know, uh, you name it, those skills are applicable elsewhere. 
The key is, again, knowing who you are, what you do, and how you do it. And that's why the the creative side, once I fully understood that I could never have a factory job, I couldn't do it. I could never have a sit at a desk and pound stuff out, you know, 50 <laughs> things a day. I could never do it. Uh, and one of the things when I talk to people, I say, think of a continuum, a line with two poles on it. One side, you got pure bureaucrat. The other side, you got pure entrepreneur. You exist somewhere on that continuum. Figure out which one it is and go for that because it's more important. So a bureaucrat, it's Tuesday at 3 p.m. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. An entrepreneur, it's Tuesday know. at 3 p.m. I have no idea what <laughs> I'm doing next. Yeah. Which one are you? Now, you may not be a pure an entrepreneur or a pure bureaucrat. But if you are uh, entrepreneurial, like I am, mm -hmm. you're going to be a lot happier with, you know what? Like right now, I don't know what I'm working on tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to, I know I've got stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm not worrying about it because I'm going to sit down first thing tomorrow and go, here's the stuff I need to do today. Okay, great. That would drive some people crazy. It doesn't drive me crazy. It keeps me sane. Align yourself with the stuff that keeps you sane and, and then give the stuff that makes you crazy to somebody else because there is, and again, I'm going to point to another brother of mine. We're he was really good at math. I don't speak math. I, it's like a language I cannot hear. Mm -hmm. He was really, really good at it. And I said to him one day, what is that you like about math? What is there to like about math? And he said, I just love being able to add a column of numbers and have the the total come out at the bottom. Like, so you, you just like this, the, the, the organization, almost the yeah. organization and the certainty of that. And he goes, yes, I find that comforting. That's funny. Cause I find it maddening. <laughs> Great. You can do my taxes. I'll do something else to make the money that I have to pay tax on. How about that? Sounds you know? great. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I love the thoughts that you've been circular, like just saying today. And I love the whole idea of like branding yourself. Cause especially coming into 2022 and just the future in general, if you don't have your personal brand, you're not going to make it like just, yeah. it's, it's just a reality. And again, I just, I love the thoughts that you've been circulating here. So, you know, just think we're running low on time here, but if there was, so it, what do you want the audience to remember about you? Like, just what do you want the audience to remember about DP Newton? Yeah. Uh, one, the pronunciation of my last name, Newton, which, <laughs> Newton. you know, it's, it's a hard name, so don't worry about it. But, you know, one thing I have learned in my life is if people mispronounce your name, very kindly correct them. Yeah. Because otherwise they'll never get it right. And it's also a form of standing up for yourself, too. So mm -hmm. anyway, this is not about that. This is about what, what people should know about me is I agree with you 100%. Becoming, uh, building your personal brand is more important now than ever because let me give you an example. Artificial intelligence, as it comes in and is more and more prevalent throughout any type of business, you got to think about certain things like um, how many over-the-road truckers are there in the United States of America? The guys who do the long hauls from Chicago to Los Angeles, 2.7 million. You think Tesla self-driving trucks isn't going to do that route? 
without having any need for drivers to sleep or refueling and all that stuff. Do you think those people are going to be out of the out of a job in the next yes. ten years, <laughs> if will. not five, if not two? Oh yeah, two point seven million Americans. Boom, no job. How about uh, cashiers? Oh, they're they're already going. Two point <laughs> five. A million Americans have cashier jobs. And you're right. Uh, grocery stores have been training us to do our own self-checkout. They've got 10 lanes open with only one person to deal with problems. Mm-hmm. They That means nine people no longer have jobs. So there you have close to uh, 6 million people who don't have employment because their jobs have been taken over by what I would call artificial intelligence related capabilities and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. If you don't build a brand that makes it clear who you are, what you do and how you do it, why should anyone hire you at a time when there's going to be more and more people available to work for jobs and you look like anyone else with a resume like yours? If you have a CPA, you're just like every other CPA. Mm -hmm. If you have a a PhD in history, you're just like every other PhD in history. Unless, or let me give you an example of a great personal brand. If you have a PhD in astronomy, name a PhD doctor of philosophy in astronomy. Now, most people go, I can't think of one. And I'd say, Neil deGrasse Tyson, ever hear of him? He's the, yeah, he's the lead of the Hayden Planetarium in uh, New York. But he's so much more because he's on TV all the time. He's built a personal brand off of being the astronomer who every news show goes to to get information. Like if there's a new comet and they're going to do a story on it, they're going to get Neil deGrasse Tyson to do that that blurb, that little mm-hmm. soundbite to include in the report. Why don't they go to someone else? Because Neil deGrasse Tyson has cornered the market on smart, pithy comments that are built for TV. Now, why is he so good at that? You can go on YouTube and find out. Because he gave a speech at an organization, I want to say 2014, about it's called Anatomy of a Soundbite. And he talks about the first time he was called to be on uh, like a nightly news show, and it was about some comet. He had a 20-minute conversation with the reporter. He excitedly turns on the news to watch it, and he, mm-hmm. he sees them. He sees him on there, and his comment was, it's really coming close to Earth. 20 minutes of conversation, that's the tiny poll quote that he had in the... And they're like, they don't want a conversation. They don't want a story. They want something that summarizes everything. So his product is now sound bites that are perfect for TV news and you know media programs of all sorts and sizes. So he's the go-to guy. So while any other astronomer out there may be losing their job as you know budget cuts and all that stuff, he'll always be in demand. Because the only other astronomer that Americans might know the name of is dead. And that guy is Carl Sagan, who I bet you you don't even know. I have no clue who that is. Yeah, exactly. I know who he was because he was very big in the 70s and 80s. Nobody knows that now. So 
as I like to say, a personal brand inoculates you from becoming a commodity. A commodity is sold or purchased for the lowest possible price, mm -hmm. but a brand commands a premium. Always remember, if you are a brand, you can charge whatever the market will bear for your services. And let me tell you, all the time I, I deal with people who go, oh, you want to charge that much to do whatever you do? I say, yeah, we found someone who will do it cheaper. I go, great. Do you it. get what you pay for. Enjoy it. <laughs> because there's the kind of an old story about the plumber uh, who cost $100 an hour versus the plumber who cost 25 an hour. Well, that's because the plumber who costs $100 an hour will fix it right the first time. And the one at 25 an hour will have to come back four or five times. And that, that comes out to 125 hours, so a dollar. So why didn't you just pay for the guy who would do it right the first time? Yeah. No hassle, no people, you know, the key is getting people to understand I am worth what I charge. And consequently, the people who come to you expect that. Exactly. Anyway, we could go on and on forever yeah, oh, about yeah. branding. I, I, I've loved the what you've just been saying. I think it's relevant for anyone that wants to just, especially like my audience that where a lot of them are college age kids trying to figure out what they're doing. It's like, that's some important stuff. I think they need to know that because like you said, some of the jobs aren't going to be there in five, 10, 20 years. And they're going to be out of a job and that's ultimately what they went to school to do. And yeah, I, I love that you've been bringing that up. So if you could just, you know, drop your contact information, I know you have a book, you've mentioned it podcast, uh, just drop that information. Uh, if people yeah. want to reach out to you. Well, first of all, I'd like to invite your audience to kind of begin their personal branding journey. And the way to do that is to go to nonfictionbrand.com slash gift. And you can download three worksheets one is a five-question questionnaire to get you start thinking about your key three and what those things can be. And then two of the others are actionable items or techniques that you can start using right now mm -hmm. to build your personal brands on things like LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, whatever platform you want to use. Because the key thing here is my brand, I don't tell you everything about myself. I don't tell you the names of my dogs. I don't tell you how many daughters I have or anything like that. I don't tell you how I vote. I don't yeah. tell you what music I like, you know, and, until we get to know each other. You, you learn that stuff over time. Yeah. But anything I post online is going to be always centered on those three key concepts. Creativity, collaboration, and pro provocation, if you will, or provocative. Those three things are what I focus on. Am I going to provoke you in some posts? I hope so. Am I going to give you some creative guidance in some posts? Yeah, absolutely. Am I going to seek some collaboration with you? Possibly. And that collaboration might come in the form of a quiz or a, a question like, what do you think? I, and it could be about anything. Hey, I love the color, the use of color in this new Netflix series. Mm -hmm. It's kind of different than what I've seen before. What do you guys think? And it's a, it's a question about creativity yeah. from someone who's in kind of that sphere. You know, I'm not a director of photography, but I use directors of photography when we shoot TV and stuff like that. So th those three things guide me. So I never have a question of what am I going to post today? 
I'm going to go, what can I post today that's provocative, collaborative, and creative? And the answer is sometimes, well, it may not be as, as collaborative, but it's certainly provocative and creative. Great. Let's run with that. Uh, anyway, so go to nonfictionbrand.com slash gift. You can download those PFs, uh, PDFs free, and uh, you don't even have to sign up for my mm -hmm. email list because, frankly, I never say anything out to it. Uh, the other thing is you can check out the Nonfiction Brand podcast wherever you get fine podcasts for free. Uh, we're on episode, uh, I think I said 176. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> and that's a great place to start because I talk to all sorts of people about how they build their personal brands and what they're doing and stuff like that. So check that out. Again, that's the Nonfiction Brand podcast. And um, I think that's about it. Otherwise, you can go to nonfictionbrand.com and learn more about me, my books and stuff like that. Oh yeah, and also, of course, Nonfiction Brand, the book is available on Amazon. Uh, and you'll see my lovely face on the cover because actually there's a story about why is your photo on the cover of the book? And the answer is, surprise, surprise, it's a big part of building my personal brand. <laughs> Don't hide your light under a bushel. Embrace your personal brand. Walk yes. into your own personal brand spotlight and start it today. So go to nonfictionbrand.com slash gift, download those three PDFs and get going. Sweet. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm sure everyone that's listening for my audience and those of you listening, be sure to check that out. I think that's great. I think, like I said, personal branding is going to be huge these next couple of years. It's already huge. So you got to get into it now. So DP, thanks for coming on. I really enjoyed having you on. Just thank you for what you've shared and just thank you so much, man. Well, thank you, Josh. I really appreciate being on. All right, everyone. So that is DP Knutton. And as you can tell, that is a very intelligent person, has great things to say. I'll challenge you guys to take a lot of his thoughts and words and, of course, put action to it. I have a great guest lined up for you guys next week. Stay tuned. And I'm just really excited for that. See you guys next week. And let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.